Five-man outfield for the Marlins, including Jesus Sanchez. And as we record this, Jesus Sanchez with lefty-on-lefty lefty crimes, taking Trevor Rogers deep in a scrimmage game. Yes, sir. Big spring for Jesus Sanchez. He is making this roster. The Marlins are going with five outfielders. But will Jesus Sanchez be starting for the Marlins in the outfield? All digging into with Sean Barrett on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. And welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at MiamiMarlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the podcast form, hit subscribe there too. Guys, it is your team every day, and it is Tuesday, the 28th of March. I know, I've just said, I've just seen Jesus Sanchez hit a home run off Trevor Rogers. That is correct. I'm recording this on Monday evening with Sean Barrett. Um, but this is the Tuesday episode, guys, and likely this will be your first listen because this will drop early, early on Tuesday. Uh, so thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen. If you are watching on YouTube or if you are wondering if there is a YouTube channel, yes, there is, and it is called Locked On Marlins. Do you see what we did there? Yes, get over there and hit subscribe too. If you are watching, you will see Sean Barrett is in. He is looking well and healthy. Sean, a couple of weeks off, brother. You weren't feeling too great for a while. Hope everything's good though, mate. All good now, yeah. It was a bit of a bit rough there. Um, but yeah, blink and you miss it. Spring training's over. It seems crazy. It was only a couple of appearances ago that we were talking about spring arriving, and now we're already through it and opening days just around the corner. It really is, mate. I mean, you know, a couple of days away, and there's a lot to, to look forward to. We're gonna dig into that in the second part of the show, actually, kind of previewing this Marlins Met series, a four-game set to get us rolling, mate. But um just one final thing on spring, your main overall takeaway reaction, something that stands out to you from spring in 23 for the Marlins. Uh, first thing, no injuries. That's yep. the thing. I mean, it was it was pretty boring, pretty ho-hum. The offense was a bit dry. I think maybe we expected that. There were some early defensive miscues from guys in, in new positions. And again, yep. that was to be expected. But we're through spring. Guys have got their reps. The, the rotation's got, you know, its pitch count up. We, we've Springs served its purpose, um, and we're through it healthily, and that's all you can ever ask for. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think you've hit on the key points there that yeah, clearly that the health um, and other teams haven't been as lucky. Uh, the Marlins clearly coming through it in, in the main, a full body of health. There's a little twinge here, and, like, you know, there's a reliever or two going to the IL, but overall... You know, nothing major has happened. It's, you know, it's a full, clean bill of health, full roster as constructed by Kim. Um, so, you know, excited to go. One other thing I would say, one main takeaway is Lewis Brinson with three spring home runs for his new club, the Giants over there in Japan. So the king of spring still doing it. He can always swing it in March, mate. Um, he would have been pacing the Marlins with three home runs in spring uh, as well, which uh, I find pretty hysterical. But great to see Lou still swinging it um, in March. Intrigued to see. I'm intrigued to see what his career ends up being. Whether he ends up coming back to uh, to, to U.S. baseball or Major League Baseball at some point, who knows? But yeah, Sean. I mean, we're through spring. We've now 
I think we've unofficially officially got a roster like we kind of know what it's going to be. And I think one of the main talking points at one point was what are they going to do in the outfield? Um, it was, you know, it was an interesting topic and discussion point. But in the end, the Marlins uh, going with a five man outfield uh, on this roster. And for me, the, the the battle seemingly was kind of De La Cruz or Jesus Sanchez was maybe the battle. Actually, it wasn't a battle. That's all. Both those guys have made the roster. Um, so what's your take on this five-man outfield more generally here for the Fish heading into the season? Yeah, I mean, it came about because obviously they brought in Gurriel and Iglesias and the idea was that these extra guys, are they going to make the lineup? As it was, it was just Gurriel and Iglesias has gone down to AAA. So yeah. I think in in my mind, that's the right decision. I think the fact that you've got Bertie and he's got his infield flexibility because we know that Gurriel's only going to be playing first. We know that Coop's only going to be playing first. They'll probably yeah. both DH at times. Um, but that then projects Soler into the starting lineup as, as an outfielder, not as a, a DH. So yeah. I think Bertie's going to be really important. Me too. Team. Um, it, it, I'm concerned a little bit by the depth of it. Obviously, Iglesias is there um, as that backup, I guess. Um, but for me, Sanchez, I think he, he deserves another shot. Mm. I mean, this isn't a situation talking about Brinton mm-hmm. where an opportunity, an opportunity. This is this is his opportunity now. Um, had a good spring when he went down last year. He hit well in the minors, came back up and had literally a small amount of time um, late in the year and hit well as well. So for for me, ever since he's gone down, he's he's played better. His, the attitude seems to be better. The smile still on his face. Yeah. I think it is a case of between him and De La Cruz, you've got two guys who can flex in and out of the lineup. They can both play centre field, kind of. I think they'll be. I think De La Cruz will probably see more opportunities than than Sanchez. Then, but then he can just play in the corners. I think Sanchez deserves a shot. I think if he can play into the season as he has done um, ever since he came back from his demotion, because it was a demotion. Uh, yeah. I think I think we could finally see Jesus be a a purposeful outfielder, starting major league baseball player for the Marlins. Yeah, me me too. Like I think with Jesus, and and the more you kind of dug into his numbers and and look to see, like firstly, the Marlins don't have a ton of lefty sticks; they just don't. And so um, he also had zero minor league options because they felt the need last year to burn that option uh, and. My sense with that was that was primarily just to give him a break or for something else, maybe other than baseball related. It was a bit like we need you to take a bit of time away from maybe the major league action or center field or just go away and find yourself. I don't know which of those it, it actually was, but but when you dig into his numbers and look, you know, when he's facing these righties as a lefty, the numbers look fine. And, you know, he was asked to play in center field, which he did okay. Um, but when you go and look at his career stats, mate, I mean, yeah, to the point about, you know, comparing it with Brinson, Brinson had a huge leash. Jesus Sanchez, he's, you know, he's only just had like just slightly over 600 plate appearances at the major league level. Um, WRC, a, a career WRC plus of like, you know, high nineties. So in his early developmental periods, um, you know, when he should be now coming into fruition, let's say, or to his peak or his prime, as he's starting to piece everything together. I think there's a there's a solid enough base there for Jesus Sanchez to take the next step this year. I do think it's about 
Can he be mentally right? Keep the smile on his face. Equally, can he be mature enough as well in and around the clubhouse? Is he willing to put the work in as well? I think is kind of a key part though, mate. But I mean, I've been on this pod as well saying you should never face another lefty ever, ever again. But as we hit record on this pod, he hit a massive bomb against Trevor Rogers, lefty on lefty crime there, mate. So, I mean, are we maybe undervaluing Jesus Sanchez here? And actually, could we see, could we see maybe for one of the first times in many years, a Marlins hitter being able to work with a new or a different coach and making some meaningful adjustments to their approach, their swing, that means that the, the results can change in a productive way. Maybe I'm looking a little bit too much into it, but it is possible, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, it would be a huge positive for the organization. It would be. <laughs> and I think, I think one of the key things I saw last year about Sanchez and his swing was that when he came up to the majors, his swing got changed by the, the now-fired hitting coach. Mm. When he went back down to AAA, he went back to his old swing, and that's what worked for him. Right. So I think it is a case of if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, lefty pop, uh, that's always going to be important, even if it is off the bench. I think yeah. I think he will see plenty of time. I think he'll get a lot of opportunities. And so far, he's running with it. And I think, yeah, the, the bat is, at the moment, it's league average. I mean, the defence, as I said, I I remember the centre-field defence being poor in my mind from what I watched. But the actual analytics aren't too bad. I mean, no. two defensive runs saved in centre-field in his time there. So it is a case of he can defend at all three spots in a, in a pinch. Um, and someone's got to play when Jazz isn't, because, I mean, I know he says he's going to play 155 games, and, mm. and God, I hope so. I really do. But yeah. we've got to, we've got, you've got to balance you know, the realisticness of that and the fact that you're going to need other guys to, to step in from time to time. I think 140 games from Jazz, healthy, I, I would prefer that rather than trying to spread him across the whole season. Yeah, one five five seems a lot to be honest with you, and I'd I'd probably like to see him take you know more than one day off a month, um, which is probably how the numbers would stack up. Um, so I'd probably like to see him you know off his feet a little bit more often than that, you know. But we'll wait to see. To your point, if there's a healthy year out of Jazz, then you know Jazz is saying that he 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 feels he's got a shot to be in the MVP conversation if he if he plays one five five. So um, or one forty, I think. The reality is he'd be in the conversation. We need to see that from from Marlon's perspective. But just going back to the corners and, and and Jesus Sanchez, you know, what's what's the likely situation here with Jesus Sanchez in terms of his playing time to start the year? You know, he's he's been the hottest hitter in spring of anyone. To be honest with you, he's now performing in scrimmage games against a lefty. You know, is Jesus Sanchez right now forcing himself into a starting corner outfield spot for the Marlins here? He absolutely could, and and the the key thing is not just whether he's hot; it's the rest of the guys. Yeah. One one of the things that I liked from Jeta, even though he's gone and there wasn't much I liked about him, one of the things I did like about him was that he wanted to bring competition to the team. Yeah. Have that depth, and that's what I see in the outfield for the Marlins this year. They have that depth where if a guy isn't hitting. Irregardless of his contract situation, mm. how long can the Marlins, if they want to be competitive, put up with a guy? Who's hitting below average? You've got if there are other guys competing and and beating them, then these guys now are literally playing for for playing time. You know that they've got to yeah. perform, or otherwise they'll be they'll be playing once or twice a week rather than five times a week like they'd want to. Mm. I think that's you know that leads us into 
I mean, this wasn't a report as such by Craig Mish, but, you know, a comment, let's say, that was on Twitter earlier on, talking about playing time and Avisel Garcia and performance. And, you know, I think Craig, you know, is out there now effectively saying that, you know, if if it's 2022 Avisel Garcia for the first two months of the year, then he's not going to be playing. So, yes, he's being paid. They've committed that money. Um, but from what Craig's hearing, the Marlins are maybe the, you know more willing to make a move there. And if a guy isn't cutting it, someone else is going to have the opportunity, which for me is at the heart of all team sports and should be at the heart of all team sports. And so I'm, it's encouraging to hear. Overall, we'd like to see Avicel Garcia bounce back. I mean, clearly, that's what we want to see. But the results in spring have been ultra discouraging thus far. And if he starts slow... I think there's a real opportunity for Jesus Sanchez to really cement himself into a pretty much everyday spot in right field, left field, and even be backing up at center field. Um, what about you? Yeah, for me, I mean, Craig is very judicious with what he says and how he says it. So the fact that he's put that out there uh, alone to me speaks volumes. Um, I mean, we can say that as fans and, and watching a guy underperform, but it's another thing for, for Craig to say. It's another thing for the team to think it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of money for the Marlins, but there's there's a precedent. There's a precedent for the Marlins eating money when they've got an underperforming player on the roster. And um, I think, uh, ideally, you, like you said, Avi bounces back. Everyone's allowed to have one season off and be poor, but it is a case of it's not just the results, it was the, the input. And I think you need to see that again. It is a case that... It isn't just that he, he wasn't unlucky, like the, the Babbitt, all the things you look at to try and find a reason why the guy struggled. He struggled yeah. because he was just crap. Um, <laughs> and, and hearing that the Marlins are, are considering that, or at least having their mind on the idea that they're not going to put up with that anymore, that's that's a fantastic thing for fans to hear, that regardless of the money, you've got yeah. to perform if you're going to be playing. Because no one wants to see him rolling over a ground ball to third base 200 times a season it's just it's no fun no no absolutely and I think it's you know the Marlins fans you know were generally frustrated with Avisel Garcia last year um and, and I think as fans if you you want to see guys re- rewarded with you know plate appearances or at bats based on performance and for the Marlins to show that they have they they're, they're willing to operate in that way rather than just, well, we pay him 12 million a year. So he's got to be out there every day. That is not the way you should approach it. And it's not the way that the best clubs approach it either. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see if that will be the mindset. And if Craig has put that out there, that is the mindset. So really for Avisel Garcia, the pressure's on, the pressure is on. The pressure was already on. He's got his body in better shape. I don't know what happened last year with his body and why he came in so heavy. But he's made the, the adjustments, so he's willing. If it translates on the field, great. If it doesn't, then the Marlins are going to be strong enough to bench him, which I think is really encouraging. Um, well, maybe that's the wrong way of phrasing it, but um, anyway, nevertheless, uh, let's talk about our first ad. It is our first US ad with a British twist, and it's our good friends over at LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you to find the right people for your team faster and for free. 
It's so easy to create a job post. You just get on there and just add all the details. You add that job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools also like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you to find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job. Yes, for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Sean, let's let's fast forward now and think about this Mets series, mate. We've got a four-gamer with the Mets in town. The Mets coming off a, a more than 100 wins in 2022. Couldn't quite make it happen in the postseason, uh, but nevertheless... They've, you know, they've suffered a couple of challenges, let's say, during spring. We talked about the Marlins being healthy. The Mets uh, haven't had the same fortunate circumstance, obviously losing their close to Edwin Diaz. Um, they've also made some interesting roster decisions around some of their flashy prospect names that they've demoted. Uh, and I also did see the DFA Darren Ruff as well uh, recently. So some decisions going on with the Mets. They come in. Max Scherzer going up against Sandy Alcantara in game one, which will be a stunner. Also, all eyeballs on Justin Verlander, the AL Cy Young winner of 22, heading off in what I think will be a stunning matchup made against Edward Cabrera on the Saturday, mate. It's going to be an absolute stunner. But overall, thoughts and feelings for you heading into this opening four-game set against the Mets? I mean, the pitching matchups are just to, to die for, aren't they? They're, they're both, both two um, rotations are, are very high in Oshie Shirts and Verlander. They speak for themselves. Uh, for me, yeah, Verlander versus Eddie. I mean, the age difference is is, is crazy. Yeah, um, it is. And and Verlander for me, I watched him. I watched him pitch once this spring against a split squad Miami team, and mm. on it, you know the 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 velocity. I mean, I know the velocity is not going to be what it used to be for him, but the control was poor. He didn't seem comfortable. He got hit by two comebackers, so that probably didn't help. But but yeah. for me. It is a case of you've got this the star named rotation going against the Marlins young guys, and this is this is going to be great to watch for sure. Yeah, it really is. Um, from a Marlins perspective, offensively, um, clearly a lot of eyeballs will be on Luis Arias, um, likely leading off, um, but also then Jazz Chisholm Jr. Um, it's really interesting to see the way they mix and match the top of the order, mate. I think, um, but really the indications seem that you know Garrett Cooper, your guy likely hitting in maybe the cleanup spot there as well, it seems. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of pressure on Coop. Equally, he's talked about, I think I've seen it relatively recently, to say he's looking to rediscover his power stroke a little bit more as well. Like the power completely went, I say completely, but it really sapped away in, in 22. So I'm really intrigued to see what kind of Garrett Cooper we get in 23, particularly if we have maybe some you know, maybe a feeling of less pressure on his shoulders directly because there's more guys around him. Uh, but equally, is he going to find something different in his swing, perhaps? Um, maybe like a Jesus Sanchez, where it's like all of a sudden he unlocks something. Maybe Coop goes back, makes some changes, and the power stroke returns, which I think would be hugely encouraging for Cooper if he can add that contact, the gap power, with some actual over-the-fence power, mate, maybe hitting the cleanup spot, you know, Who's to say that Cooper can't get back to the All Star game in twenty three? I think I think he could do it either way. I like the line drive, double hitting approach from Cooper. Yeah. 
Um, but as you said, he's he's played in the cleanup spot pretty much every game he's played in spring. You, the team haven't done that just because of happenstance. They clearly that's where they want to see him play. And he's had a good spring. He's hit well. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the power was there for me. I think you know, mm. puts a bit more loft into the ball. The contact rate will probably come down a little bit, but the Marlins they've got contact hitters, you know, up and down the lineup. So it might yeah. be a case where they've just turned to Cooper and said, "Look, put a bit of extra power into that swing. You know, don't don't hit for contact so much. You know, a two sixty to two eighty rather than a two eighty to three hundred hitting Coop with more power. I think." Would be great for the Marlins, especially in the cleanup spot. Yeah. Um, for me, I still prefer him as a as a number two gap hitting guy. Okay. Uh, it gives the Marlins options to do lefty righty, lefty righty, which yeah. no isn't the same nowadays with the no loogie situation. But but for me, I think Coop is is that bat that the Marlins can chop and change as they need him to be. Um, and if they want him to hit for more power, then I'm not going to stop them. <laughs> more home runs is uh, is good for me. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's interesting about where he hits in the lineup. And 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 to be honest with you, as a as a gap hitting guy, um, which he's been, you know, in, in his more recent uh, approach anyway, probably that two hole, you know, suits him pretty well. You know, Arias the lefty, then Coop, and then Jazz. You know, I think is a real nice, you know, one, two, three. You know. And ideally, you then have like Soler and Avicel Garcia then in four and five that really give you that that threat. Um, you know, and I think if that's if those if the big boys are are delivering what they could and should be, that's probably what this optimal lineup should look like, um, where you've got those three in front um, and then you know the the two big boys to follow. But we'll wait to see. I'm intrigued to see the way they construct this lineup, and I'm really intrigued to see what what Jesus Sanchez's role truly is after a a hot spring. Uh, I'm equally intrigued to see what Brian De La Cruz uh, and his role is. Clearly, the kind of center field playing time um, isn't really there, so it's all going to depend how they mix and match effectively four corner outfielders into two spots and a DH role, perhaps. So, really interesting there, mate. But overall, looking ahead to this one, though, four games set, Shears is going, Verlander's going, Senga's going to be going as well, I believe. Um, I think on the Sunday, he's scheduled. So, we're going to get a good look at the Mets, you know, top three guys. The Marlins, what I think have got the sexiest upside one, two, three out there in, uh, in obviously Sandy, Lozado and Edward Cabrera, mate. It's going to be a pitching, you know, there's going to be a lot of pitching on show. But I think for the Marlins in general, I could certainly see them nicking this series. I could see them winning this series. And honestly with you, it wouldn't stun me if they sweep the Mets. It would not stun me. Actually, no, it would. I'd be stunned but in a good way. But there's a pathway here, I think, to the Marlins starting hot. They pitch well. Bullpen performs. There's a pathway to the Marlins at least winning this series. Where's your head at with this one? Is a sweep okay for you? (laughs) Uh, God love you, Pete. Um, (laughs) Don't be optimistic two days before spring training. When can you be optimistic? Absolutely. Uh, I think the beginning of the season, of course, is so important. And especially when you're talking about young guys like Lozardo, Eddie and Rogers, let's not forget him. These are guys that haven't pitched many innings. You know, we're, we're going to be counting yeah. on 140, 160 at a push from these guys. So the beginning of the season, when you've got these young arms who are at the moment strong, because they, they're going to tire as the season goes. So this is the time to be confident. This is the time to let these guys cook. And uh, and see what we can get. You know, 
you, one guy you didn't mention, David Peterson, the lefty. We know what the Marlins struggle with, and that is lefty. So oh, man, I didn't even think of that. The kryptonite. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be perfect for us to, to smash Scherzer and Verlander and then get uh, no hit by David Peterson? So oh, I know. it's it's going to be a tough start to the season. We're playing mostly division games, as, as everyone is, and then there's a couple of tough uh, teams in there as well to begin the yep. season. So it's an important time of the year, as it always is for the Marlins, getting off to a, a good start. But we talked all off season about our optimism, and you're, of course, the king of optimism. Um, I'm feeling optimistic, mate. I'm feeling. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm feeling optimistic right now. That's what I'm looking for: competitive baseball. Yeah. If, if they get, you know, if they get hit left, right, and center, uh, and the bats don't, you know, the big guys got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a case of it could be a long season. So a nice competitive series would be would be what I'd be asking for. Yeah, I mean, the Mets played us tough last year as well. I mean, Frankie Lindor, pretty much every game, there was a home run from Lindor. Pete Alonso was probably the same. Um, you know, it, the Mets just played us tough last year. We'll see how that, that pans out again. You know, I don't think, I don't feel like they've had the best of springs either, the Mets. I feel like they've got a, they've had a relatively poor record. And, you know, again, it's, you know, you look at wins and losses, da-da-da, I get that. But equally... I do think momentum in baseball helps. I feel like if you, you've, you've had a winning spring and you're playing well and you're hitting well, surely that's going to help you coming into opening day rather than Avisel Garcia's end of spring, like two for 40 or something. Like mentally, you're not, you know, you prefer to be in a different spot than two for 40 in your last, you know, two weeks of spring. So we'll wait to see, mate. I think it's a really intriguing series. The Marlins are led by their pitching. Can the defense hold? Are the bullpen going to get any opportunities to save some games? And what can this offense do, mate? So many question marks in the head of this season. This is Kim Ang's roster. This is how it's been designed. There is some Kim Ang risks in this roster now, and they're her risks. And she's going to be judged based on how these risks go, either positively or negatively. And I think that's one of the key storylines here for the Marlins in general this season, is how do these risks play out? We may look at it and say, wow, Kim absolutely nailed it. Or this was an absolute shit show and there's serious question marks about Kim Ang uh, and her future with the Marlins. So I think there's a lot of variance of the Marlins number this year. There really is. Like there's there's 82 wins and there's 62 wins and there's everything in between, to be honest with you. Um, with that being said, thanks for making Locked On Marlins. No, actually, no, we can't go. We need the final ad. I missed the final ad. So we'll have to do that and then we'll have to go. <laughs> Uh, but they, actually, it's a good ad. And it's a competition, guys. So stick around for competitions because you've got a chance of winning something. And it's Built Bar. It's the Built March Madness. Uh, and <laughs> you know you have a favorite uh, bar or puff. And it's now time to make that count. Here's what you got to do to get into this competition. Everyone loves a competition. BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know mine is that coconut puff ever since they had that ad campaign, I don't know, a year ago. Um and if you want the Marlins to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too, supporting your team and supporting your bar or puff. Uh, and when you vote, your favorite bar or puff will be entered into a draw where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to built, having all the best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. Sounds absolutely sensational. And as you know, guys, They're so healthy, you don't even know it because they taste so good, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You know it! So, 
This competition, where do you go? Built March Madness, all one word, dot com, right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. And pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so you run out of time. But get in there, hop in, and support your pick. All right, Sean, we went long. I almost missed the ad. I mean, I'm I'm in mid-season form here, obviously. Um, one final one to you. I don't think you had a prediction, or you gave me it, so let's have this prediction from you. Marlins-Mets, four-game series. How's it going? I'll, I'll go two and two, straight down the middle. I'll be boring. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's still a good result, though. Like, you know, a split is still fine. Yeah, perfect. Like, you know, competitive baseball, against your division, keep it 500. You know, that's, that's, that's Marlins' target for me. Stay at 500 for as long as you can, and then make a move. I make mean, a move, baby. That would that would be perfect for me. I spoke all off season about the idea of the Marlins getting me excited, and they've, they've done just enough to get me excited for the season and yeah. to keep. And for the longer they can keep me engaged and keep the fans engaged and keep close to you know that third wild card spot. Yeah. that's what they're shooting for, mate. Wild card three is exactly what they're shooting for. For me. I, I'm not predicting a sweep, uh, but what I would say is I can certainly see the Marlins winning this series. I think the boys want to come out hot. I think the fans will be there. There will be plenty of Mets fans in there too, but I think the ballpark could be loud at certain points. Um, I think Sandy, Lozado, Cabrera, potentially Trevor in game four. The pitching's going to match up nice. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about Verlander's spring. Uh, I think the Mets have got a couple of other things going on. They've made some roster decisions that look a bit iffy. I think the Mets could start a touch cold, and I think the Marlins could catch them cold, and I think they could win this series 3-1. Uh, then the Twins come into town, and then the Marlins head to New York to take on the Mets again. It's going to be a real tough ask in the early part of the year. With that being said, this time, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. It's Tuesday's episode, 28th of March. We'll be back on Wednesday, and on Wednesday's episode... I'm going to be with the other NL East uh, Locked On hosts. We are all coming together for our prediction podcast. Do not miss that one. Uh, I was relatively bullish, which will shock no one uh, on my Marlins number and also the division winner. Till then, guys, see you soon. Thanks for joining me today.